Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. You know, when we think about this city, and and you asked earlier, you know, could we just ignore the sections that don't apply anymore and just kind of keep getting along as a city? We can't keep getting along as a city. Uh, We are slowly bleeding out. Government tends to resist big changes and sometimes carries us um, into inaction instead of action. Mm -hmm. On June 30th, 1914, the citizens of St. Louis voted to adopt a city charter. It's a sprawling document, a kind of blueprint for civic machinery created to make a city function. It tells us how elections are run, how revenue is collected, and what rules govern public employees. It also tells us what was relevant in 1914, but not so much today. There are rules, for example, for taxing, and this is in the charter, clairvoyance, steamships, and hucksters. Another rule, which has apparently gone out of enforcement, requires all newspapers to be published in both English and German. So the charter is very old and, dare I say, a bit cluttered with outdated items. Does that mean we need a new charter? And if so, what should be changed? As it turns out, St. Louis residents will have a chance to vote on those questions because on the April 4th ballot, they will be considered in the form of Proposition C. Here to discuss that upcoming vote and what deciding on a new city charter could look like, we welcome to the studio Alderperson Annie Rice. She's the outgoing alderwoman of the 8th Ward, which includes an area in South St. Louis in and around Tower Grove Park, and is the sponsor of the bill that placed Prop C on the ballot. Annie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Also joining our conversation is Wally Seward. He has spent many years working in civic engagement in St. Louis and previously served as the director of the Center for Ethics in Public Life at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. Wally, good to have you here. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So, Annie, let's start with the charter and with its basics. Why does our city have a charter and what is it supposed to do? Sure. The Charter of our city is kind of like our constitution. I liked the word blueprint that you used. Um, It is our governing document tells us how we operate, um, and it is a citizen voted in uh, document. So this wasn't something that that somebody dictated to us. This was uh, the voters, you know, put this in place and we said this is how we want to be governed. Um, So it it involves all sorts of really interesting things and lots of uh, things that we don't pay quite as much of attention to anymore. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an example of how the charter affects or has shaped your work in the Board of Aldermen? Yeah, so there are there are things that are allowed um, and things that are disallowed. There are rules about elections. Um, for me personally, one of the the my initial election was based in requ- rules in the charter. Um, so it, because it was a special election, that process is governed by the charter. So even my becoming an older person was rooted in, in the rules of the charter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes right back to the beginning for you. It does, yeah. yes. Now, does the charter actually control how the city functions? Um, Wally? 
What it does is it sets the playing field. Um, it's kind of like a chessboard. The charter is the board, uh, so it determines what moves are possible and the rules. But the game itself, of course, of course, is played inside the administration. Um, so it's really a yes and. Yes, it sets the it sets the rules for the road, and then the administration can go from there. So it with rules that we don't enforce clearly. Does it matter that those that those pieces of the board are there, like we said it at the top, these newspapers not being printed in yeah. English and German. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything of that, and I, I haven't heard of any hucksters getting city licenses either. <laughs> so, I mean, does it matter if there are things there that don't get enforced? Well, the things you have pointed out are kind of among the funny old laws category, and those are found in almost any city, uh, you know, rules against slurping soup and and things like that. Um, And I think they matter in the fundamental sense of let's make sure that we only have laws on the books that we're willing to enforce. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are also some other things that people might consider small that I think are really important. Uh, For instance... uh, all of the language in the charter, almost, except for a very recent edition, is all male-oriented language. So mm-hmm. the mayor's a him, the comptroller's a him, the president of the Board of Aldermen is a him. And I think it's important that the language recognize the diversity of people that can sit in the office, especially since we right now have a women-led city with uh, women in all three of those roles. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like to invite you into the conversation Do you have a question or comment about the city charter or Proposition C? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpr.org. Annie, in the the board of aldermen or alder people, (laughs) you sponsored the bill that successfully placed this question, Proposition C, on the ballot. What motivated you to bring this measure up? So uh, good governance reform has been a theme of my time of service. And we had looked into how is it that the charter functions? um, How does it impact our ability as a city to operate, particularly as, you know, the city is far smaller than it was, um, you know, even 100 years ago. and, And how does that impact our operations? And we had seen a board of freeholders process that was attempted um, and was unsuccessful. Um, and that is that is a separate process. That's a, a city county function. Um, that is not what, what this charter commission does. Um, but it was an opportunity for there to be a public discussion about structural changes. Mm-hmm. And um, having that not be successful was sort of a motivation of, okay, well, what can we do internally to create a sort of task force about this. Um, we're we're not alone in being a charter city um, in the United States, but we're one of the few that doesn't have a regular mechanism for evaluating the charter. Mm-hmm. So um, the St. Louis County has a charter commission process that comes up every 10 years. Um, I had a colleague in Baltimore that I really uh, modeled, modeled a lot of this after was a, an effort that they went through to mm-hmm create a commission that involves the people and regular updates so that the charter reflects what our current needs are as a city and so that the citizens and businesses and people who operate in the city clearly understand what the government is supposed to be doing for them. Okay. Well, it's great to get that context of the difference between city and county and then what's going on in places like Baltimore. One of the things that is in the, the language of the bill has to do with the Ferguson Commission has as a as a model 
mm-hmm. for doing this in a way that is um, that is transparent, that engages the public. Can you speak a little bit to that, um, Annie? And then I, I'd lo- like to hear also from you, Wally. Yeah, that was key for me. Um, so the Ferguson Commission showed us that it is entirely possible to have really robust public engagement on things that matter to the everyday lives of people in our region. And we at the Board of Aldermen have limited ability to have public engagement to that level. Um, So we have committee hearings and folks are able to testify at those when a bill or resolution is moving through. But once it comes to the full board, then the the public is sort of cut out of that process. So when we're talking about these foundational issues and because any change to the charter requires a public vote, bringing the public along with you is really important and addressing the needs that they raise is really important. So that's why this the structure of this charter commission is so dependent on that public engagement. Um, even seating the commissioners is a public hearing process. We're supposed to be hearing from the people at every point along the way before it comes back to a vote. Mm-hmm. Wally, Wally, how does this all strike you as someone who's been doing civic engagement work for such a, a long time here in St. Louis and sort of especially yeah. given the um, the context of the last like 10 to 20 years. Yeah, it strikes me as a massive opportunity, uh, really. When I think about our population loss here in St. Louis, um, one of the core features that I think is underestimated is simply the level of disconnect people feel from city government. It is really hard to connect with what city government is doing and to understand it. Uh, so this is a huge opportunity to get folks into the process. And I want people to realize what they'll be voting for uh, if they say yes to Prop C. You're not voting for any specific changes to the charter. You're not voting for anyone to go behind secret doors and make changes you don't like. Mm-hmm. What you're voting for is to open up the doors into this process, have a public process for appointing people, have those people have a public community-engaged conversations about potential possible changes that they might want to make, and then any changes that that group actually does decide on is going to go right back to the voters to say yes or no on. And if you look at the charter, it is littered with clauses where people have tried to change the charter and the public has voted it down. Mm-hmm. So we can we can really rely on the St. Louis public to hold any hold back any uh, you know any reform that uh, they don't like. We're just giving ourselves the opportunity to actually present them with some interesting ideas because St. Louis was actually may not be the only charter city. There are many of them now, but we were the first home rule city in the country. Ah, okay. So there's some history there then. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and now we, we do that in a way that is so far behind other cities uh, that we don't even have a way to update that home rule document. Mm-hmm. Now, just to clarify then, Proposition C on the April 4th ballot would create a nine-member charter commission that would meet every 10 years and with the help of technical and legal support staff, the commission would review the city's foundational document, which is this charter, and draft any proposed changes that would then go back to voters. Now, we've gotten by with the same city charter for 109 years. Um, I mean, could we just hang on to it and continue to ignore those parts that don't apply any longer, Annie? I, mean, I- Sure, we could. Um, I don't think that's best practice. I I believe in the city of St. Louis. I am optimistic about our home rule, about our future, and really shoring up 
who it is that we are and how we operate is so important for us to move forward. We talk all the time about how do we bring people to the city of St. Louis? How do we make this a a thriving city again? Um, And having a document that we just kind of talk on a shelf, like a lot of other documents in this city, isn't helpful to us. But to bring people back into the process and say, this is your city, you are a part of this, you are a part of the structure of our government, I think is a really good way to build some trust back as well with the people. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've seen a lot of changes in City Hall, and particularly at the Board of Aldermen this this last year, where we have a lot of trust that we need to build back. Mm -hmm. So does it feel like this is the right moment for this thing? I mean, when we think about voter participation, Mm -hmm. there is not a lot of it, right? So is there something about this time that uh, to you, Annie, and to you, Wally, makes it seem like this is the right time to try to do this? Yes. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons right now why, why this is a good time to try to do this. Uh, you know, when we think about this city, and, and you asked earlier, you know, could we just ignore the sections that don't apply anymore and just kind of keep getting along as a city? We can't keep getting along as a city. Uh, we are slowly bleeding out. Uh, and if we continue as we are, we are done. Uh, so it's the moment right now because it's urgent. It's also the moment right now because I think there is, while there's there's frustration with the election process, well, there's frustration, there is a turning point that we are seeing in the city uh, in terms of conversations around racial equity, in terms of conversations around some radical issues like uh, uh, universal basic income, like uh, reparations. We could once again, instead of being the city lagging behind that was the first home rule city and now can't even figure out how to update their charter, we could jump ahead of the country and say, look, we are going to be addressing our current challenges in new ways, and that's how we're going to build ourselves a new city. Now, we got an email from Tim Tucker, who identified himself as the grandson of former Mayor Raymond Tucker, the 38th mayor of St. Louis. He included some political cartoons from the 1950s uh, created during the administration um, about attempts at the time then to change the Mm -hmm. charter. And it's all the way back then, right? One cartoon shows a king wearing what looks like a shirt and shorts that are too small, barely covering his body. And the caption says, St. Louis has grown up too. Why has it been so difficult to make a new city charter? I, I, I think, think that's it, a good question. I'm sorry, Wally. I, no, it, it's, we, we as... I think as St. Louis are, we're skeptical. Uh, We're skeptical of big changes. We, you know, government tends to resist big changes. And because there wasn't a mechanism built in when they created the charter for continual revision, I think the momentum sometimes carries us um, into inaction instead of action. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. I think also one of the big things that has been done in the past is big attempts to do everything at once. Mm. Uh, that 1958 change had lots and lots and lots of different aspects to it. And you can look in the charter and it's littered with references to date of voter rejection, 1958. <laughs> uh, it's all over in there. Um, so I think we, we uh, 
yeah, we have an opportunity now uh, to do things a little different. If we do this every 10 years and we bite off small pieces that we can explain to the voters and say, look, this, these are these issues we're addressing. Here's the changes that they're going to make. Let's do this now and we'll revisit it again in 10 years. I think it's a very different approach than the, you know, all or nothing, uh, better together kind of approach that, that has happened in the region in the past. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that all or, or nothing and the better together plan is certainly something that We've um, we've talked about on the show before. Um, I mean, what lessons do each of you draw from attempts like that to change the the building blocks of the way St. Louis government functions? I I think you know Wally's point of biting off more than we can chew um, is is really important. Um, but it's also about bringing people along. Um, so not just writing a document behind closed doors, but about having the people included in the conversation from the moment it begins. And so it's not a surprise when it comes up, even though I think Better Together had quite a lead up in, you know, what it what it would have been to go onto the ballot after they'd introduced it. Um, the conversations about creating that plan happened behind closed doors. And even so there was we had a large charter reform effort uh, around Proposition R that recently passed. Um, and that was also there were a lot of really good things in that. But that was another document that that was created with a, a group of people, but a smaller group of people. Um, and so there are folks now who are looking at that and saying, well, is that the way that we want to keep doing this? Um, I think this charter commission is an add-on process. We're not taking anything away from the citizen petition or the right of the Board of Aldermen to pass bills such as this that would put things in front of the, put charter changes in front of the voters. Um, but we are adding a fully transparent, fully public engaged process on that so that if we're going to be taking on bigger changes, that folks feel like they're with us along the way. Um, and we're doing the, the type of community outreach as we're building the suggestions, not just once we have the suggestions and giving them to them. Mm-hmm. As a final word from each of you, what would you recommend people do in order to better understand this, this proposition? position before they vote for it? Sure. I have a, a website up. It is stlpropc.com. Um, and there's there's a fact sheet on there that has some great graphics about how the process will work once it when it's, it is passed um, and some more FAQs that are that are on that as well. Um, otherwise, I'm, I'm happy to talk with folks. There's there's great. Uh, there's a form for feedback and I'd be happy to, to engage with folks if they have questions. Okay, great. Annie Rice is the outgoing alderwoman of 8th Ward and the original sponsor of the bill that's become Proposition C. Voters in the city will decide the issue on April 4th. Wally Seward has worked in civic engagement in St. Louis for many years and previously served as the director of the Center for Ethics and Public Life at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. Annie and Wally, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. 
and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.